Hi, this is Matt from Trinity Church, Brighton. Uh, just a quick heads up, we had a little technical issue recording our sermon this morning. We just missed a few minutes in the middle. Uh, so what I've done is I've just gone back and recreated those bits for you. Uh, but if you notice, there's a bit in the middle that sounds a bit different. Uh, that's the reason why. So I hope it's not too, too distracting. Uh, and as, as always, thanks for uh, listening along. Hope you enjoy. Marshal your troops now, O city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our lands and march to our fortresses. This is God's word to you. Thank you, Chris. Good morning again. Great. Now, I don't think I said before, but um, uh, yeah, if you are here or new or visiting today or you've uh, come along for the first time, welcome. Uh, it is great to see you here and we, um, we are so glad that you've chosen to join us this morning and we do hope you feel uh, well cared for while you're, um, while you're with us this morning. Uh, and if you are new, you won't know, but it is a big time at the moment for our church, I think. There's, there's quite a lot going on. I, I don't know if our members would agree, but um, as, as I said, it was only last week that we farewelled... Um, we farewelled Cameron, our former senior pastor, uh, who's been the pastor of our church for the last four years, and we are into, a, um, into an interim period at the moment. Uh, and at the same time, we're also, uh, as well as that, coming to the end of what's actually been quite a hard year, uh, a year when lots of people in our community have some pretty uh, difficult, big things going on. And as we've heard this morning in big days, there are uh, still a few really big things that some people are right in the middle of. Uh, and of course, all of us, even if we've had a more normal year, we've still uh, come through this year that's been heavily affected by COVID and things like that. And uh, as we gather together, we're right in the middle of a very uncertain time, uh, kind of wondering what's going to happen as borders have opened and cases have started to pop up. Uh, it's a lot, actually, when you think about it, the year that we've been through. Lots of reason to be almost unsure about what's going to come next and to feel a little bit uncertain, even perhaps fearful about what the future holds. And this morning we're beginning to look towards Christmas. Uh, after this Sunday, we've got two more Sundays and then, uh, then the Christmas weekend, so it's getting close. I think it was only three weeks uh, from yesterday till Christmas, so that's, um, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, Christmas is on the Saturday this year, so just so you know, uh, what we're doing is we've got church the next two Sundays, and then on that Christmas weekend, we've got church on the Saturday for Christmas, uh, but we're not having church on the Sunday that weekend, so no church on the Boxing Day uh, day, as Boxing Day holiday, I guess it's a holiday, isn't it? But um, Christmas is getting pretty close. It's all coming up pretty soon. I wonder how you're feeling as we move towards Christmas. I wonder how you're feeling as we move towards Christmas. In our uh, in our household, there's quite a bit of excitement as Christmas draws near. Our daughter Lucy is um, two and a half and uh, this is probably the first Christmas where she sort of has a pretty good understanding of uh, what Christmas is and she's actually looking forward to it and we're um, doing things like Advent calendars, which is uh, kind of exciting. And uh, last weekend, we got our Christmas tree up. My family is from the hills and has land up there, so I'm into the kind of 
traditional thing and went out into the scrub to find a tree to uh, cut down. Uh, but there was lots of controversy in my family actually this year though, because I, uh, I I thought the tree that we'd picked looked pretty good. We went out and found one, uh, but then we brought it home and it didn't fit inside the house. So we had to trim the top off a little bit and then uh, it still didn't fit. So we had to trim the bottom off a little bit. And by the end, it uh, didn't quite look so good. It, uh, I'll show you a picture anyway. Here's a picture. I, yeah, I don't think it looks too bad. Not too bad. Hey, uh, maybe a little bit bare, but uh, there you go. Um, a few in the family um, did uh, did say it might be the worst Christmas ever. Uh, I think someone said something about um, a, a Grinch, and my brother-in-law said it could be good advertising for a, a fifteen-dollar Kmart Christmas tree. Uh, but look, it's all all good fun, and, and Christmas is fun, isn't it? It's full of lots of those uh, sort of fun traditions and things. Uh, but at the, the same time, there is another side to it all, isn't there? Uh, this year, the church has brought lots of copies of this book, uh, A Very Different Christmas, and there are lots of copies up the back. They're free. Uh, they're for you to take. They're for you to read. They're for you to perhaps uh, give to a friend. Uh, this is what Rico Tice, who uh, wrote the book, uh, says in the introduction. He, uh, he puts it well. He says, For some, though, Christmas Day isn't about panic shopping or tricky diplomacy. It's about quiet disappointment or perhaps even desperation. To borrow from Charles Dickens, Christmas is both the best of times and the worst of times. It's a time of joy and loneliness, of excitement and despair, often within the same family and even in the same heart. For so many of us, there's a lot of sadness wrapped up with the tinsel each Christmas. There's grief nestled among the presents. My children will be three and five this Christmas and there will be such joy in watching them open their presents. But there will also be sadness because my mother, who loved planning, wrapping and giving presents, was always the cornerstone of our Christmas and she won't be there this year. So many of us, even as we open our gifts, are aware of the empty chair at the table or are crushed because we're the only person there. For some of us at one level, we're just hoping to make it through December. I think that's true, isn't it? You go down to Marion and there's uh, lights and presents and everything tells you that Christmas is exciting and happy and fun and, and all that stuff can be good fun. But at the same time, for lots of us, there's a whole other side to Christmas. I mean, this is true in our family. We went to my wife's grandfather's funeral this week. When we get together with that part of the family this Christmas, it's not going to be so light and happy. And as you know, and as we've already heard this morning, there are lots of... Uh, members of our church family going through some of these hard sorts of things at the moment. Like the book says, there will be some of us who aren't very excited about Christmas. It will, it will sort of mean just having to try and put feelings aside and put on a happy face for a day, which uh, perhaps doesn't really feel so real. I'm sure there are some of us that are heading towards Christmas with uncertainty and grief and, and nervousness about dealing with those family complexities. Maybe some of us are going into Christmas feeling some real fear. And look, I'm not trying to be too negative. I'm sure if we were to sit down and give ourselves a score about how we're feeling heading into Christmas, you know, zero being dread and 10 being uh, pure excitement, I'm, I'm sure there'd be a real mix. And most of us would be somewhere in the middle, maybe lots of, you know, sixes or sevens or eights. Uh, and, you know, look, lots of parts of Christmas can be fun, even all the commercial parts of Christmas, you know, I think that can be lots of fun. But uh, what I would say, what I would say is that uh, the marketers, the advertising, they'll sell you an idea about Christmas being happy and exciting and just pure fun. Uh, and they do that because they want to sell you gifts and presents, of course. But particularly this year, you know, with COVID coming in and the borders opening, well, 
the first thing is I'm not sure we're particularly really in that place this year. I mean, we seem to be in this scary situation where you go and get and go to the wrong shop at the wrong time, and uh, suddenly you could cop seven days in isolation. Merry Christmas from SA Health. Uh, but secondly, I do think that in lots of ways, the way we think about Christmas uh, as a society has become a bit shallow. It's kind of become about doing the traditions, you know, maybe trying to help the kids have a fun experience and sort of play this Christmas game. But for adults, it can feel a bit fake. Well, for the next three weeks here at church, I want to take us back to the Bible and what the Bible says about Christmas. What I want us to think about is uh, that when we go back to the Bible, there's a lot more to Christmas than perhaps the 21st century world realizes. Yeah, the Christmas in the Bible is much deeper than the commercialized traditions or the tinsel or the Kris Kringle presents. Uh, the Christmas of the Bible, well, it doesn't gloss over hardship. It doesn't tell you to put on a happy face and play the Christmas game. In fact, the Christmas of the Bible is all about people who are going through hard things because they're exactly the sort of people that Jesus came for. What we're going to do in the next three weeks is we're going to think about why Jesus came, who he came for. And we're going to look at three different predictions of Christmas from the Old Testament, three different uh, passages from the old part of the Bible from hundreds of years before Jesus. And each one is going to tell us something about why Jesus came, why Christmas happened. And what we're going to see is that Jesus came for people who are broken, who are feeling afraid, who are feeling tired and weary. And if Jesus came for people like that, well, that means Christmas is a message of genuine hope, of real comfort. It's more than just a fun story and some fun traditions for the kids. It makes a real difference when life is a bit harder. Today, we're going to start uh, looking at this uh, through this passage that Chris has read to us from the book of Micah. Uh, the passage basically tells us about three things, and we're going to look at each one of those three things one by one. Uh, the passage really tells us about, number one, a dire predicament. Uh, tells us about number two, a coming hero. And number three, it tells us about a secure life. A dire predicament, a coming hero, and a secure life. Uh, so first of all, we learn about the dire predicament. We can see this on the very first verse of the passage. And let me encourage you to have Micah 5 open in your Bibles if you have one. Uh, but I'll also get it up on the screen here. Uh, this is the prophet Micah writing to the Jewish people about 700 years before Jesus. And he says, Marshal your troops now, city of troops. For a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. This is the dire predicament. It's a real time in history. Micah's writing to the Jews, the southern kingdom of the Israelites, who are, if you know your Bible history at this point, the Israelites were split into two, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And Israel as a whole was a pretty small player on the world stage. The global powers are places like um, Egypt and Assyria and the Babylonians. And Israel's kind of stuck in the middle of all those uh, all three of those. And as, as Micah's writing, the northern kingdom is already under threat from the Assyrians. The northern uh, kingdom ends up being destroyed and captured in uh, 722 BC, which is uh, during the time that Micah would have been alive. Uh, but Micah's writing to the south, not to the north, and he's writing to, he's writing to Jerusalem. And he's saying, you're under threat too. A siege is coming. Marshal your troops. Don't just sit back watching the northern kingdom and be glad, you know, that that's happening to them and it's not happening to you. This is coming for us as well. Our city is going to be attacked. We're going to be surrounded by enemy troops. This is a worrying, scary situation for the people of the city. And if we just flip back a little bit just to, to the chapter before, we can just get a little bit more detail. I think this is worth doing. 
Uh, just back in chapter 4, verse 10, Micah says, Writhe in agony, daughter Zion. Zion's another name for Jerusalem. Uh, Writhe in agony, daughter Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you must leave the city to camp in the open field. You will go to Babylon. There you'll be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies. What Micah is predicting is that Babylon is going to come and it, Babylon's going to attack Jerusalem. It's going to be like a, like a woman in labor. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. You're going to be under siege. You're going to get taken away, taken captive, taken to Babylon. Just, just imagine for a second living in Jerusalem, living in this ancient city and kind of hearing this news that an enemy is going to come and attack. You, you, you know, you can imagine if, if it was a modern day equivalent, we'd probably tune into a press conference. Uh, the enemy's coming. Things are changing. Things are looking bad. Uh Uh-oh, this is a bad announcement. We're going to be surrounded by troops. You're not going to be able to leave. Travel's off the table for the foreseeable future. There's going to be a shortage of supplies. Go down to the local shops and there's panic buying everywhere. People are grabbing all the toilet paper. Feels a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Everyone's trapped at home. Everyone's anxious, scared about what's going to happen. I'm sure we probably can imagine that feeling of dread, that impending sense of doom. Oh, no, here we go. We're in trouble here. And now, uh, the reason, by the way, that this is happening to the people of Jerusalem, the Babylonians are going to come and they're expanding their empire and they're they're going to take the city. But ultimately, what the Bible teaches is that the Babylonians are an instrument of God's good judgment. Jerusalem has not lived God's way, and so the right to live in God's promised land will be forfeit. The Babylonians are going to come. They're going to take the land. They're going to take the Jews off into exile going to be painful it's going to be rough it's going to be humiliating uh, micah says that israel's ruler will be stuck on the uh, struck on the cheek with a rod uh, which is a metaphor for sort of being humiliated the people are going to suffer and it might be hard for us here you know a few thousand years later to imagine this sort of scenario facing a ancient military siege but i bet we do know a bit of the fear and uncertainty that they'd feel these are people who are suffering They don't know how things are going to work out. They don't know if things are going to be okay. They'll be feeling some of the things that some of us will be feeling as we head towards Christmas. Our lives are actually really not that much more secure than theirs were. We're facing our own threats, our our own uncertainties, tragedy, hardship, things like that can strike at any time without warning. And lots of us know this because we're in the middle of experiencing it. Others are perhaps dealing with the fear and the anxieties that come with not knowing how things are going to turn out. And at the same time, we also know, like the people of Jerusalem, that we are far from perfect in how we've lived our lives. We haven't lived God's way. We, we've got our own sin. We, we might well ask the question, is God going to be on our side? We've got all these insecurities and fears like the people of Jerusalem had. It's a dire situation. But thankfully, Micah also tells us something else. He tells us, secondly, about a coming hero. Let's have a look at verse 2. So you're going to be under siege, you're going to be humiliated, there's going to be lots of pain, but but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. So a ruler is coming. A hero is coming. What are we told about the hero? Well, a few different things, three things, really. Uh, First of all, we're told 
where the hero is going to come from. It's going to come from Bethlehem Ephrathah. You might be wondering about the Ephrathah. Ephrathah is just a way of differentiating this Bethlehem from other towns that might also be called Bethlehem because, you know, oftentimes town names aren't necessarily so unique. You know, if you were overseas and you told someone that you lived in Brighton, you'd probably have to specify that it's Brighton in, um, Brighton in Australia, not Brighton in England, or um, probably actually even Brighton in Adelaide, Australia, because I think there's a Brighton in Melbourne as well, isn't there? Uh, so this is Bethlehem Ephrathah. It's this particular city. And Micah has to specify the exact town where this is going to happen because it's just a tiny backwater kind of village it's it's not new york or paris or jerusalem it's some kind of random insignificant little place uh that people not necessarily know where it is or which one it is Uh, and it's small and it's insignificant but out of bethlehem is going to come one who will be ruler over israel and that is a big deal and actually, this seems to be the way that God tends to do things all the time, doesn't it? You know, he chooses to use the insignificant, the surprising. He, you know, he chooses David to be king, you know, the, the shepherd boy. He causes the saviour to be born in Bethlehem. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know if we're, if we're here in Adelaide, you know, we would be surprised uh, to hear that someone very rich or powerful or famous lived in, I don't know, Hackham West. You know, that would be kind of surprising. You would go, oh, that's kind of unusual. That's not normally where... Uh, rich or famous uh, or influential people live. But this is what God chooses to do. And 700 years later, when Jesus is born in Bethlehem, you remember, uh, you'll probably be familiar with this, the wise men, they come looking for Jesus and they go back and they consult the prophets and they see, ah, this is where the Messiah is going to be born, Bethlehem. And they go and they find that he was born in a manger, again, in a surprising, unimpressive kind of place a place where animals would feed. And yet, this baby who's been born in a backwater town in an unimpressive kind of way is the coming hero, the Messiah. One of the lessons for us is that this is the sort of thing that God tends to do. One thing we need to be careful about is thinking, um, you know, I I don't think God could use me. You know, I don't have those gifts. I I don't think anyone would listen to me. You know, I'm, I'm no one special. You know, I couldn't go give my neighbours a Christmas gift if they asked about church. I'm not sure I'd ever have any answers. Well, the, the, the truth is, if you catch yourself thinking that way, well, you're most actually probably the type of person who God is more likely to use. He often doesn't use the amazingly articulate kind of person or the charismatic personality. He uses the meek, the mild, the surprising. And that's partly because he doesn't want to bring glory to the messenger. He wants to bring glory to Jesus. The lesson for us is not to look to others, but to step out in faith and see if God might use us. So a hero is coming. They're coming from Bethlehem, which is surprising. Uh, the second thing we kind of learn about the hero is that his origins are from old, from ancient times. The Messiah who's going to come, we know it's Jesus, he's from old. This is a reminder that if you know the Christmas story, yes, Jesus was born at Christmas time about 2,000 years ago, but Jesus did not begin to exist 2,000 years ago. If you know the Bible, you might think of places like John chapter 1, where it says Jesus was there at the beginning and he was there at creation, creating the world. He is the Word of God, He is eternal. And at Christmas, He became the Word of God, made flesh. This adds to the incredibleness of the Christmas story, Jesus, who was there at the very beginning, Jesus, who is eternal, who created the world, came into his world. It's an amazing thing, a hero 
from ancient times coming into the world in, in this place, Bethlehem. And probably just the third thing I want to point out about what we learn about this hero is we're told a little bit about when he's going to come. Israel is going to be abandoned, verse 3, until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. Jesus is going to come uh, at, at the birth when she is, who is in labor bears the son. And of course, you know, Jesus was born in an ordinary human way, so Mary would have been in labor. That's part of what it's telling us, that she's going to have a son. Uh, but there's also a metaphor here. This was, it was there when we flipped back to chapter 4 before as well and talked about uh, Israel writhing in labor. Israel was going through hard suffering like, like a woman in labor. And the thing about the metaphor of a child being born is that there is really hard suffering, but you get to the end of that suffering and it ends with something wonderful, a a child. It's an encouragement to endure. For Israel, it was an encouragement to endure the times of hardship because the Messiah would come. And it's encouragement for us to endure hard times that we go through in our lives at the moment, knowing that Jesus will come again. And something wonderful is going to come at the end of it. This really is the essence of the Christmas message. We might walk around the shops and get told that Christmas is meant to be about sort of happy, fun uh, traditions. But no, Christmas is about people who are suffering. Christmas is about people who are gripped by fear and uncertainty, like a woman going through the pain of labor. It's about enduring and waiting, waiting for the hero who will be born, coming for those people who are suffering. A dire situation, a coming hero, the last thing the passage tells us is what the hero is going to bring, a secure life. He's going to bring security. Look at uh, what verses 4 and 5 say. He will stand and shepherd his flock. This is the coming hero. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be our peace. Amazing words. He will stand and shepherd. This might make us think of John chapter 10 when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. It might make us think of Psalm chapter 23 when uh, the psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me and the shepherd's rod and staff are a comfort to me. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for the sheep. You know, if you're a sheep, I know no one here is a sheep, but if you're a sheep and you have a good shepherd, you know that you're totally safe, secure. And that's what it says, doesn't it? It says they will live securely. We will have security and why? Because his greatness will reach to the end of the earth. We, we can know we're safe because we're in God's world. His greatness reaches everywhere in this world and he's got our back. I, um, I remember a few years back I used to work in an office and the office was, um, for a while anyway, it was a bit of a sort of a toxic sort of workplace. There was a little bit of a vibe of um, when things get wrong, let's find someone to blame and let's you know, try and blame others and uh, not really working together very well as a team. Um, and it wasn't the best place to work. But one thing I was grateful about was that uh, I had a good relationship with the boss, with the manager. And there was a lot of trust between me and the manager. And, and really, because I knew that the manager trusted me and I trusted him and, uh, and he was in charge, even when things were going a little bit nasty, well, I knew it made a big difference because the one who was in charge had my back. It wasn't so bad. 
Well, if we belong to Jesus, well, we know the one who is in charge of the whole universe has our back. And if we belong to him, that means we can have real security. This is, um, I think, partly where our modern, commercialised, kind of fun Christmases do fall short. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against the fun, uh, the traditions and all that sort of stuff. But if it's all about the fun, the happiness, the good times uh, with family, well, no matter what the advertising might show us, we know that these things ultimately are not secure and sure. You know, the fun can end pretty fast when your health suddenly begins to fail. The happiness can dry up pretty fast when you're hit with anxiety about change and you don't know what's going to happen next. Your family is a wonderful gift, but lots of us will go into this Christmas without family there. And some of us will go into Christmas with family there and we wish they weren't there. Sin and brokenness a lot of the time can mean family isn't such a wonderful thing. But think about the difference that Jesus' rule makes to this kind of Christmas. Our families might be broken and filled with sin, but in Jesus we know that we're forgiven and that sin can be dealt with. Our Christmas might be gripped with uncertainty, but if we trust that Jesus is on his throne, well, we know that ultimately he is the one who's in control. Our Christmas might be filled with chaos, but if Jesus came into this world, and if we know that he'll come into it again and he'll one day put everything right, well, then that's okay, isn't it? And if Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, then we know that even when our health does fail, that with him we're still safe. After death, we'll go to be with him in heaven. You know, have Christmas lunch at Jesus' place this year. With Jesus, there is real, lasting security. Can you see that this kind of Christmas message is much deeper than Just go and have a nice, fun time with friends and family. This Christmas message is a message of real hope about God coming into this this world for those who are fearful, who are broken. It's a message about Jesus ruling his world and looking after those of us who belong to him. I asked at the start, how are you feeling as we head towards Christmas this year? I don't know where you're at, what you're thinking about all all of this. Uh, Some of us might be not so sure who we think Jesus is, whether he is legitimate at all. And we love it when people come to church to think about those things. I hope you've seen that the Bible's Christmas story is a lot more than just sort of a cute story with a baby and some donkeys. And well, if it's true, it has huge implications. And so I hope at least you'll keep coming back and keep investigating if the story of Jesus is true. You know, grab a copy of this book. There's plenty. We've got plenty of copies. Take one home, have a read. We've also got at the back uh, copies of uh, a biography of Jesus' life. Uh, which includes the Christmas story, different accounts of Jesus' life. You're welcome to grab those too. Grab one and have a think about Jesus this Christmas and whether this kind of different Christmas could be something that you could trust in. And lots of us, we do trust in these things. We do trust that Jesus is our security, that we are safe with him. Well, can I say this should actually make a difference? Of course, we're still going to feel fear, things like fear and uncertainty when hard things are going on, but we should have underlying all that are confidence that comes from knowing that Jesus will care for us no matter what happens. 
And that should encourage us to actually take risks too because we're safe. You know, next week we're going to have our Christmas presents. There's going to be chances to take them and give them to people. Uh, That might be intimidating to some of us, but we can take a risk because we know that we're safe. We know that we're secure in Jesus. What's the worst that's going to happen? Someone might not like the gift. And don't think God will use someone else, not me. He sent Jesus to Bethlehem, not to Jerusalem. He doesn't always use the things that we might expect. It's okay to take a risk because we know that Jesus has our back. And a last word to those of us who perhaps are feeling like as we go into Christmas this year, that it is going to be a really hard Christmas, that we are in the middle of something really difficult. Well, can I say, if you are feeling this year anxious, if you're going into Christmas this year, not sure what the future is going to look like, well, perhaps you aren't feeling especially Christmassy this year. But what I would encourage you with is actually the things that you're feeling are what Christmas is all about. This is what Christmas is. Jesus coming for people who are feeling fear. Jesus for coming for people who are in dire predicaments like the Jews 2,700 years ago. Christmas is about looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus and the security that he brings, even in the midst of great fear and uncertainty. In a moment, we're going to sing a carol, a little town of Bethlehem. I might get the band to come up, and as they do, let me pray for us. Our dear Father God, we thank you for these words this morning from the prophet Micah. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, looking to his coming, showing us why we need him to come. We desperately need, Father, we need the security that Jesus offers. We need him to rule. Thank you that in Jesus we are safe, secure, cared for. We pray this morning for those who are feeling some of these things that we've spoken about, anxious, uncertain, fearful. Help us to know the peace that Jesus brings this Christmas. We thank you for him and we pray in his name. Amen.